Welcome to Season 2020, Episode 8, Mashed Potatoes. In this episode, July 19, it all begins. Manuel speaks with Ramon Ficada, and Manuel tells us his MotoGP idol. This is the Pacino Report. Report. This is the official podcast of PacinoGP.com, hosted by me, Dave Gill. Welcome back to another fantastic episode. I've got the familiar faces in front of me. It's uh, another big news week, and uh, I absolutely lost for words. It's uh, it's that time of the uh, week again, and uh, I just want to welcome uh, my co-hosts. <laughs> to- I'm going to actually start with Manuel again um, this week. So I've got uh, him. He missed the memo. If you had video, ladies and gentlemen, there's uh, three of us in red T-shirts. Manuel's decided <laughs> to just remind us who the boss is and he's gone. A, uh... He's like, I will wear what I want. I will wear what I want. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Sorry, I think we have different concepts about what is red and what is blue. <laughs> he could have, like I said, he's probably got red underwear on so we can mix him with the team. Yeah. How are you, Manuel? How's your week been? I'm go. I'm fine. I am uh, pretty well. I am very positive because things, uh, the wheel start seems to be starting to 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 turn around, and uh, life is getting better. That in the last eight weeks where I have been locked down like a like a dog in a doghouse, you know. Well, I must say you're looking very fresh and relaxed and recharged and ready to get out there. Yeah, there's a. This- there's a sparkle in Manuel's eyes. There is. Oh, there is indeed. There's I can't wait for the segment at the end to see if that sparkle stays there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drill it out of him. That's all I'm doing this for now. It's the Manuel incident. Exactly right. It's 30 minutes of filler. And then I'm just waiting yeah. for the 15 minutes at mm. the end. Yeah. I reckon we scrap the rest and just <laughs> pick on him all, all the time. Stu, mate, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you, Dave. Uh, g'day, Andrew. G'day, Manuel. How are we all out there in podcast land? I'm yeah, I'm doing very well, mate. I've had a good week. Um, as Manuel said, it's getting to the end of of lockdown time now here in Australia. Things are starting to settle down as well. Uh, we've got Mother's Day um, this weekend in Australia, so happy Mother's Day to all those mothers in Australia. Um, and here in Queensland, we're starting to have some easing of, of restrictions, so that's that, that's pretty good. Um, I've had a really good uh, week in in MotoGP news as well. It's been absolutely fantastic. We loved the the virtual Grand Prix last week with all three classes. It was exciting to see. Um, however, I must make a point of, um, of of just just putting a spotlight on on young um, Quattararo. He's a he's a wonderful racer. He's going places. He's he's up with the, with the factory Yamaha team this this year. Um, fancies himself as a bit of a gamer boy. If everybody looks at the replays of the uh, of the virtual Grand Prix, he's got the he's got the customized gamer handset and the but console. But then he, then and the he gobbed off as well. He goes the had the controller that only bought in Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yes. I dare say that's where he got it from. Exactly. And then he proceeded to uh, to crash about nine, nine times, times and yes. pretty much everyone off, and came stone last. So did he have that new yep. hairstyle going on? Didn't I yes. think yep. I saw a post with yep. his cool? I don't he know. Did. How he's to got his, he's got appropriately. his cool hair. Is Anthony is Gobert hairstyle, so he's, he's doing very well. So Quattararo gets my face palm of the week this week. Well done. And, and he still hasn't earned enough money to have the lighting fixtures in his house no. fitted properly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys I, seriously need to have the fake backgrounds. I know um, you don't follow the uh, virtual GP, Manuel, but if you have a look at uh, Quattararo's footage, um, you can see obviously into his lounge room, and there's bits of his lounge room that are still yet to be finished. There's lights well, maybe hanging. Maybe it was booked there's... in before everyone got locked down, so they couldn't <laughs> go there to finish the job. There's lights hanging out of the wall. There's wires <laughs> coming out of the ceiling and everything. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> and that's got um, no fixed address. He's just squatting. That's it. He's yeah. on the move. <laughs> 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 you can't tax me if you can't find me. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. That amazing voice that you can hear in the uh, background belongs to a lovely lady, Andra. Welcome so back for another week. Super Andra. Super, super Andra. Andra. Back you again, again from, from my bedroom. <laughs> you've been, you've been <laughs> super busy. I have. I've never had so many people in my bedroom before. Well, <laughs> well, actually, okay, hang on a minute. <laughs> Recently. 
translate this. <laughs> I'll, I'll message you later and explain it. We'll draw your pictures, Manuel, and explain what we're talking about. That's the adult podcast later on. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Dave's given us rules. We're not allowed to have explicits in this one. Um, no, I've been having more um, chats with people all around the world. So I spoke to the beautiful Nikki Kovacs in, she, she's in, I want to say Budapest. I can't cr- pronounce in Hungary. Budapest. I notice, I've noticed when I listen back to these podcasts that my pronunciation of a lot of things like Lamon is very... (laughs) (laughs) Even even my husband was laughing at me and I'm like, I don't know. Like, that's how it's written. That's how you say it. I want what Manuel said with, if you ever, I want this as a bumper sticker. If you ever say Lamanza's as Lamanza, you will never get there. (laughs) Exactly. I was just just ready to to repeat it, you know? (laughs) That's why I I actually asked the guys um, earlier for the listeners about how to pronounce some names as well, because I don't, I'm all up for embarrassing myself, but I've got to keep it got to keep it in check or it will just get out of control. Anyway, yes, I had a great chat with Nikki. Um, She's a, a, writer as well as a MotoGP journalist. So um, you guys have a listen to that chat. There's a couple of little, we did a bit of a, what her memories are of Manuel. So we get to Ooh. hear some, mm, oh, so we get to hear. And again, only things that people can hear about. So um, <laughs> did she say the same thing? This segment busts my balls. <laughs> similarly, kind of, it was that whole thinking and eye sparkling and funny things going on as well. So I think there's a lot more these journalists keep to themselves that they don't let us know about. But anyway, so I just want to, I have another thing to tell you as well, but Manuel, I just need to quickly ask you, would you quickly share with us a memory that you have of Nikki? An e-memory or a standard memory? Oh, just something you'd like to share with us. No, no, no. I um, uh, Nikki, I meet, I meet her almost in, on every Grand Prix and uh, she is, a hard worker, mm-hmm. and in our press rooms, there is no we don't make any difference between boys and girls. So she's yep. just one of us. And she, what what I like from her that she she works very hard. She does photos. She writes. She has her own uh, YouTube channel. Shows. Mm-hmm. So she works quite hard. And I think she's the only Hungarian journalist in the championship. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of things she was mentioning about. Like she mentioned, one day she actually rode in a race, quickly got changed, all beautiful, and started doing her journalist, um, like just switching between. She's just on the go, but she's so good at everything she does. No, that was fantastic. All good. So yeah, yes. And the other thing I had to tell I, I, sorry, Andrew, I have, you, I have to say that I never have seen her racing, mm-hmm. nor I don't know where she races. So I am looking forward to hear of it. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, that, yeah, have a listen and definitely she's something she still loves to do. I think there's just challenges with trying to, you know, as we all know, keeping up with everything you need to race, all the equipment and traveling and so on. I've got to admit, Andrew, listening to some of your, so the Melissa, uh, the Melissa Paris, the, the, the Nikki interview, I've always been aware of the uh, World Endurance Championship. But it's only mm-hmm. through the interviews and just starting to cast the net a little bit wider, I'm actually starting to really get my teeth back into endurance racing. Um, it's coming up a lot. It is really it's, it's coming up a almost lot. Almost every conversation I'm having, yeah. it's, it's there. Is this something that you're hearing a lot more about, Manuel, or is it, have I just been living under a rock for the last 10 years? No, you, you well, know, probably. endurance is super popular in France, as you know. They have the 24 hours. Le Mans. Le Mans. <laughs> Le Mans. <laughs> Les, Les <laughs> and they have also this Boldor, Boldor 24 hours, and it's super popular. The, the, uh, the tracks, they get completely full for these kind of races. And uh, these races are the destiny, let's say, of riders who aren't that quick, that fast. You understand? So it's a championship where uh, you don't know you don't need to be specially fast. You have to be. So do they do teams of four? Do yes. you see where I'm heading here? Oh, oh. <laughs> see how many boxes there are in this? Look, that would be a nice team, eh? We can Ladies raise and this. Gentlemen, let's check in from the top. <laughs> One. So <laughs> <laughs> entertaining. Going quickly back to the endurance race, they are amazing. It's fantastic. To, but you 
to follow the races as a spectator is so difficult because you never know who is first. Mm -hmm. Exactly, they keep, yeah. They keep doing around and around for 24 uh -huh. hours. So it, if you don't have information, you just see bikes going by. But they would have you know, hospitality, uh, though. Isn't I? every race like that? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, no, but you know who is first and who is second yeah. and third. Yep, In yep. the endurance races, you don't know. Unless yep, yep. you have uh, access to the information that we have in the press room. But the racers are amazing. You know what? You imagine uh, the box is working like a factory 24-7. So incredible. And a lot of the skill is, in, like you say, in the garage, the mechanics actually maintaining the bike and keeping the bike going because there's that many little niggly issues. To keep a bike running for that, that amount of time, you know, you get little coolant leaks, you get bits of fairing coming off. And, and so the mechanics just maintaining the bike is, is one of the big skills as well, isn't it? David, do we have time to, uh, for me telling you an anecdote about 24 hours with Anthony West? Say no, Hang on. Oh, say go on. Let, let, let me just get today's script and just rip it up for you. I need the sound of paper being torn. <laughs> he comes Manuel just detonating. <laughs> do we get to get him back? Go for it. Like you, you're Go. doing my job okay. for me. I love it. Anthony West, he used, he raced for a while for, I think it was Kawasaki in the World Endurance Championship, right? So he explained me that one uh, in one race that was in Le Mans. <laughs> Sorry, went... what was that? <laughs> I didn't understand what you mean. Can you he say went, in my language? <laughs> he went out for a stint, one of these stints they do. It's a one-hour stint or one deposit stint. That is more or less one hour. So he started, he, he told me, well, it was so freezing cold that I started to, uh, I wanted to go to pee. You say pee, right? Yeah. So he said, I was waiting, waiting. And then, okay, then I write my turn to change the bike. Okay. To change the rider. So get into the garage and let other, other rider jump in. So he went in the garage in the pit lane. And when he wanted to get off the bike, the team manager said, no, no, the other rider is not ready. Do another stint. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, no. Yes. And then he told me, look, I couldn't resist. I just tried to make it in the leathers. <laughs> That'd be hard. Hey, oh, no, I can't. Shit. I was going to say. But, but everything was so turn around you wouldn't, or... <laughs> you wouldn't be i i rode i used to ride a bike to work and back occasionally and sometimes you have to um let a little bit of wind out you can't do it while you're pedaling a bike so i can't imagine trying to pee while you're riding a motorbike it was not because it was pedaling it was because something there wasn't was squished. <laughs> oh bless him that would have been if he, torture. If he can tie it in a knot <laughs> <laughs> that would be torture. So I don't remember how it finished, but up to this point, David, Stu, and I, we can understand him very well. I suppose if he's got oh, yeah. half a dog, like suppose if he's got six cheeseburgers stuffed down the front of his leathers, that's also well, going to be very, very nice of you. <laughs> That'll do it. I'm sure none of you know what that would be like. Oh, God, no. Um, so can I just quickly share one other, uh, before we move on, I just want to share with you one, this is another highlight from my week. And I think if anyone's checked out the picture that was posted on our socials during the week of, um, a Valentino Rossi in the kitchen, I had a dream that he walked past me and he said, Andra, come with me. Let's make mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm hoping it was something else, but I think he was. I think it was just cooking. But is it the I had most to share random you. dream you've ever had? Yeah, it, it was definitely. <laughs> Andra, I have, a, I, have, I have a question. Do you speak when you sleep? I have to ask oh, Adam. Could you imagine Adam? <laughs> <laughs> the answer's got to be no. Otherwise, she'd be single by now. Divorced, no, surely. because <laughs> there's an Australian music artist. So for those Australian listeners, there's a guy called Shannon Noel who people like to make fun of because he's very Aussie and he's whatever. I once no, had a dream me. that he he offered to to join me in the bed or asked me to join him. And I said, no, I can't do that. I'm married. And I woke up and I didn't talk to Adam for about four or five hours because it was my dream and it didn't matter. And I still, I was so disappointed because I said, no, sorry, I can't. I'm married. <laughs> and you were angry at Adam. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was. It's oh, no. not fair. Andra, Andra, and in your dream, you spoke perfectly Italian, I can imagine, no? Of course. Oh, oh he did all the talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what the hell? Who dreams something like that? Look, we're in danger of losing the uh, G rating on this <laughs> podcast, so if I could move it on. <laughs> we're sailing pretty close to the wind, aren't we? <laughs> it's only downhill from here. Oh, Manuel, there's some huge news coming from Dorna. We've actually got a race date on the horizon. Yes, uh, as, as we, we spoke in, in the introduction, there are very good news. In fact, there are two Grand Prix already confirmed or the intention to do them, because now it depends on the governments. But uh, today has been signed two races in Jerez de la Frontera, and the dates would be July 19th and July 26th. As we have explained here before, there will be the idea is to do on each uh, track the championship is going to, to, to help to, to Grand Prix, okay? This would be again. Hang on, hang, hang on. Stu's having a fit over here. Stu's yes. about to explode. Did you just say July the 26th? That's your birthday. That's my birthday. Woo! No. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Stu. Have a Grand Prix. GP racing back. Yes. <laughs> You'd be like, family, I've been with you too long. I don't need to be with you today. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> And uh, to, uh, in addition to this, World Superbike will restart the championship because remember that they did a race there in Phillip Island. Mm-hmm. They will restart the championship in August 2 and also in Jerez de la Frontera. So very good news. This is the intention, but now uh, everything depends on the government, especially two ministries, the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Transportation. They have to give the okay for this happen, but it's working. Yeah, but this isn't going to be a resumption back to racing as we know it, though, is it? This is going to be a very, very modified, slimmed down paddock, um, no spectators. Um, No media. This is going to be a a very, very different looking Grand Prix to, to what we've seen in previous years, isn't it? In previous years and ever, you know, because the normal, uh, the Normally, the the championship in Europe moves around three thousand people, right? The first idea was to to cut this up down to one thousand, but at the end, cutting cutting the most, they will be around fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred people in the paddock. That is not a short amount, but it's still half of what is normal. And Dorna has prepared a lot of protocols that we won't explain here because it's too boring. But basically, they will be constantly checked if they are infected or not. They will have this uh, health passport, uh, you know, that uh, where yeah. it, it will contend every time they will get through an exam and they will be locked down. Imagine for three weeks that they will stay in Jerez, they will be locked down in special hotels just yep. for the MotoGP people. 1, and they're getting tested multiple times, aren't they? I heard they're getting tested they are getting tested per day. Yeah, per day there will be obviously a, f- a temperature control every day entering in the circuit. Every two days they will go through a test. Mm-hmm. A COVID test, yep. And another important thing is that people out of uh, Europe, they will have to be there two weeks pre- prior yeah. to go through a quarantine. Oh, for the two quarantine. weeks isolation. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So the Japanese and the Americans, Miller, for example, your Jack ah. Miller, he will have to go there first of July latest because he yeah. has to stay two weeks there to to go through the quarantine. Yes. So are they going to be locked up quarantine or are they going to be able to get out and practice? And I don't know. That'll I, be interesting because I pictured once they go back to racing, they're going to be able to get out there and get back into it. But it sounds like if they're locked up, yeah. That's so lockdown. that's not a lot of preparation time. Yeah, there will be lockdown somewhere as well because if you do the quarantine, it's a quarantine. Yeah. Maybe they'll have to play the MotoGP game because apparently that's good training. (laughs) So it's not easy. If you see, it's very, 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 very complicated, but at least there is a plan. So the the big one that jumps off the page for me, Manuel, is if you've obviously got this contained, controlled bubble of people, 
that is the is the MotoGP paddock that they can then move around the different countries. That's all well and good, but how do you control marshals? At some point, the riders are going to have to interact with the marshals and track staff. So, do, like, how does that Sorry, work? If, if a rider goes down, he's on his own. Exactly right. Does that mean you're out for the yeah. rest of the? Yeah, if you're in a two week quarantine, no, well, look, you can't crawl it, to medical. You're gone. No, no, because <laughs> just push him off. They, they told they told us, look, as they will be into their leathers and with a helmet on. Oh. The, but they imagine the rider wanted to open the visor and the marshal, no, no, <laughs> put it down. No, 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 no. But you know when they run over the with a fire sealed in. Yeah. You know when they run over with a fire extinguisher. They'll be doing it, but the bike won't be on fire. It'll just be insect repellent, and they'll be, yes. like, spraying it. Hand <laughs> sanitizer. What have you got me thinking? All, these times we've been, all this time we've been worried about there's been no face masks. We could have been wearing motorbike helmets. Oh, now exactly. you're talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is – but at the end, look, to be realistic, it's impossible not having contact with the people of the circuit mm. because in front of the boxes, you know that there are firefighters. They have to be yeah. firefighters. Yeah. Uh, walking up and down the pit lane, they are these uh, technicians or technique uh, supervisor that check that everything is uh, well fixed. You know, they they analyze everything. So yep. the complete not uh, relationship with the people on the track is impossible. But they so have they will to. all be in quarantine. They'll all be locked down, and then they will just be together. So it's a it's a quarantine kind of. Look, they have to sell. Village. They have yeah. to sell uh, the the format, okay? Yeah. And the truth may be different, but mm. they have to sell the format because the government has to say yes or no. And if as better or as nicer this format looks, easier they will allow it to happen. Yep. And and we we're hearing similar things here in Australia with other sports, with with football and rugby coming back as well. We we're hearing the league itself saying, we're going to get back on this date and this is what we're going to do. But then when the media talks to the government, they're saying, well, no, actually, there's a, it's a suggestion, but we need to approve. They need to see the details of all this. And it, and it sounds like that's what's happening in Spain as well at the moment. So Dorna has put a plan together, but the government is still sort of looking at it and saying, well, we need to look at the finer details and make sure it actually works. Yeah, but I think that all these people know much more than we do. You know, because Definitely. I can imagine that the government uh, works with um, with a photo in the future with what is normally mm. that will happen. Yep, you know, a vision we, to get to. Yeah, yes, too. You are in the airplane business. Uh, there, mm. there are companies they have uh, plans for sorry, months ago when this started. They had already a plan to come back in August. Yeah, yep. it wouldn't be. They wouldn't be yeah, planning this week by week. There'd be Claro. contingency out for, for, for months mm-hmm. ahead. As you said, Manuel, all the um, all the signs are, are positive. There's now, look, as, as movable as it may be, um, there's a date on the horizon now. So the 19th mm-hmm. of July is going to be my new tattoo that I get uh, <laughs> on my arm so I can get up every morning and look at it. <laughs> yeah, but, yep. but do one of these tattoos that you can erase in case of. <laughs> <laughs> Temporarily. <laughs> Anything. So, and and just to clarify, Manuel. So, I've I've heard a few different sort of uh, reports as to as to how the season is going to commence. So, you're saying that um, they'll be going to Hereth and there'll be um, two two weeks of racing at Hereth. Um, so, I've also heard, and I, and I know we've got um, the Czech Republic and Austria is still also you know relatively firmly locked in. Um, and so there's a limited amount of time between those those two. And I'm hearing some people also saying that, that Aragon is going to be in there somewhere as well. So can you confirm or deny what they're saying about there being three circuits in Spain that they're going to be going to before they hit the Czech Republic? Yes, because you, you have to consider something very important. As we spoke, in Jerez, there are a lot of infrastructure uh, to put the people in, hotels. Uh, for example, this infrastructure doesn't exist in Mugello, where normally mm-hmm. we sleep in private houses and in B&B uh, stuff. So mm-hmm. I know I can say that I would say 99% that Mugello won't have a race this year. And it's due to the problems of uh, hospiting the people, right? 
Misano, for example, Misano is a place, is in a holiday place. There are hundreds of hotels there, so yep. it's easy to to control the. That was somewhere else I heard potentially Misano, yeah. Yeah, Misano, Misano is going to happen. For example, another problem, in my opinion, can be Austria. You know, in Austria, that is where it's going to happen for sure. But in Austria, there are simply no hotels around. So I don't know what they are going to do. But uh, probably the Austrians that are very well organized, they will come with something. But Tents. Yeah, Brits camper vans. Yeah. All, all, all paid by Red Bull in this case. We'll course. send you some exactly. swags. What's yeah. <laughs> yeah. a Red Bull camper van? So you have to consider both both things. But uh, after having seen what all what Dorna has done and all the protocols they have uh, organized, at the end, you know, to hire hundred motorhomes is mm. the problem is finished. Crazy. Yeah. And so, so moving forwards from from Spain, so the, the Czech Republic and so you mentioned a bit about Austria, um, but the, the Czech Republic and Austria, you think they are pretty well locked in? They they will go ahead in in some form or another, or is there any speculation about either of those? Red Bull probably would do everything that they could to make Austria go ahead, but what about the Czech Republic? Look, uh, Central Europe. Central Europe is much better than here in the south. You know, the ones who are in the hole are we here in Spain, in Italy. Mm -hmm. And in Central Europe, things are much better than here. In fact, the German Football League, I don't know if you call it soccer or football. Yes, I heard, yeah, Bundesliga was back. The Bundesliga is going to start mid-May, so it means in maximum two weeks' time. That's Mm -hmm. fantastic. And when the German starts to move, the rest of Europe moves. This is <laughs> normally in the other direction traditionally, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you had a question. It was. Oh, I'm a bit reluctant to ask this question. It was based on the interview you did with uh, Carmelo at the MotoGP roundtable, and I'd encourage. I'll put it up in the show notes. I'd encourage everyone to go and have a look at that. It was absolutely Definitely. fascinating. Um, Great work, Manuel. Yep. Uh, interview with some of the the biggest names you're ever going to get in um, MotoGP and and the boss himself uh, was pressing hard questions at Carmelo. And if I understood correctly, and it was something I wanted you to explain for for my simple mind, was Carmelo spoke directly to the four flyaway rounds, so being Japan, Thailand, Malaysia and Australia. And the bit that I didn't grasp, and if you could explain a little better, was that there would the only way that they would be going ahead would be if the tracks themselves fronted the costs. Is that correct? Uh, not exactly. Uh, if the tracks, uh, the championship can only move to Australia if the circuits pay the fee they have originally to pay for having the race. Okay. okay. The, look, uh, the cost of only the flight cost, again, probably about this, you know much more than me, only the flight Cost is uh, from one place to another, considering there are different uh, distances, but the cost is around 2 million uh, euros per e- each transfer. Okay, there are four, four uh, 747 cargos only, and then plus some other cargo that fly in regular airlines. So the cost is 2 million, okay? Then let's say, for example, I'm I'm just guessing. Let's say that Thailand pays six, six million for doing the race, five million. So out of this money comes a part to pay to pay the the cost of the transfer. So if the circuits don't pay what they stipulated on the contracts, they won't leave Europe. This is basically the the story. Gotcha. So they're actually going to hold the tracks um, accountable for. There's going to be no charity in this one. If unless they pay, they're not coming. Yeah, and and the the promoters can only pay if it's an open door race. Yeah, because they the incomes come through the through selling the of the tickets. Yeah, gotcha. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, we know that Thailand's ready to um, turn it on. You know, yes. almost immediately. So there's one. So is is Japan going to be in a similar situation? Do you think, or do you think they're going to be conservative? I I was I'm surprised because I contacted my friends of HRC, 
and told them that it would be difficult to, to go to Japan. And the answer was, no, no, we absolutely have to have a race here in Japan. So Aren't they I, already? Haven't they been in the factories the whole time? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually Officially, working on the 2025 yeah. bike. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that again? That was from the, well, was um, from the, the virtual Mark race. Marcus, yeah. yeah, you were staring up, Taka. Yeah. That was brilliant. Taka. <laughs> Don't say Taka that David gets excited. I was going to say, did I yeah. pronounce that correctly? I didn't say his sister. I just said him. <laughs> Sorry. Beggars can't be choosers, ladies and gentlemen. Any way to marry into that family and I'm up for it. I I think this part will be cut in the post-production. Put it out there. Any talk of Taka's sister stays in. As we said at the uh, the start of the show, this is all very, very positive news and it's all, all heading in uh, the right direction. My only um, regret is that in a couple of weeks' time when we actually do have racing, that's an entire segment of the show that we will not be able to speak to because we'll have regular yeah. racing and we won't have Dawner yeah. updates. There'll be no speculation. It'll all be official. Exactly. God, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. What, real racing? Yeah. <laughs> I can't just watch it when I want. I have to watch it. Oh, your head will explode. It's, it's Probably. Crazy. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Oh, at least I was here for a little while if you never see me again. Manuel, you dropped a bombshell on me um, just a couple of hours before we were due to record this. Um, you were speaking to a bit of an idol of mine. I'm a closet engineer by trade. I um I follow the riders, but I've also got a bit of geek going on for uh, what happens in the boxes. Do you want to just shine a little bit of a light on the individual that you were speaking to and some of the stories that he's got? Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm part of a, a TV show every night in an Italian TV. That's called Paddock TV. It's in Italian. And uh, last night we had a very special person there. That his name is Ramon Forcada. He's a an engineer, and he has been in the championship for, I think his first championship was down in 1989 or something like this. Wow. He's one of the most uh, important uh, crew chiefs that are in the paddock. And he showed me, he gave me the list of the riders he had worked with. And it's amazing. Probably most of our listeners don't even uh, know part of yeah, this list, when you, you know? when you said you were talking to me I just went through in my head and I think I only got about a third of them and when you put the list back I was just like blown away like this was everything I thought plus you know seven eight more names so more mm. yeah the, the list is incredible he started with a Spanish writer called Crivier one time uh, twice world champion one 500 with another one called Spaniard called Aspar with a Brazilian called uh, Barros, and then Puch, who actually is a HRC manager, with John Kosinski, with Sete Givernau, with a, Carlos A bunch Chekan. of no-names. Yeah, just nobodies. <laughs> nobodies. <laughs> okay, Ukawa Stoner. He worked also with Stoner. Wow. Uh, with Lorenzo, with Vinales, mm-hmm. and actually he works with uh, Morbidelli. Okay? So uh, uh, in... There are names, I told him, look, there are names on, on this list like Alberto Puch, like John Kosinski, like Casey Stoner, like Lorenzo, that he only needs one more name to get the title of uh, psychiatrist, official psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> he just the needs, paddock psychiatrist. Yeah, he just needs Max Biaggi on that list. That's the only one who is missing. And then I asked him, very funny, because I asked him which of these names were the most complicated to work with. And he said that, of course, John Kosinski. Little John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> complicated is a good, uh, good word for incredible. He said, I only worked one year with him. If I was told by my boss to work, to work another year, I would have left the team. Oh, goodness. <laughs> No, John, but yep. crazy in a way. You know that he traveled around the world with just a, bag, a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've no... mentioned him before. Yeah. Okay. And then I told him, tell us some anecdote about him. He said, look, Kosinski, in that plastic bag, he had a, a polisher to polish the bike. <laughs> oh. 
With he brought it all down from the states. Wow. So before getting on the bike, he ordered his uh, mechanic to polish the whole bike, and then before jumping on the bike, he looked around the bike to see if there was any, any how to say, um, any marks or any specs. Of, yeah. <laughs> oh, fingerprint. oh, fingerprint. Oh, so he, he walked, and if if he saw a fingerprint, he got upset and. Who touched my bike? Who touched my bike? So he didn't get on the bike if it was completely clean and without any fingerprint from the mechanics. That's the word that comes just, to just an aside, I've heard a rumor about this. Was, I don't know where I've heard this, but I've heard that he used to wear, when he wasn't racing, he used to wear the same t shirt. And if he was ever in a hotel, he would get take that t shirt off, send it to room service to be cleaned so he could put it on in the morning. Is, is that even remotely That's true? That's genius, actually. That's probably, we could probably learn something from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is absolutely like this. And he was always wearing the same socks. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, these were socks, HRC socks that were written, HRC. And he was absolutely in love with that uh, socks. So is this how is this how Mark Marquez is doing it? Is he is he taking a, a leaf out of Little John's book? Like, Surely not. To, that's that's to, Howard Hughes levels. Yeah, of to crazy. be to be at that level, is that where your mind has to be, or was this just Kosinski? He was a one off. No, 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 no. Kosinski was Kosinski. Let me tell you more things because he was. Quite <laughs> I see that sparkle again. Here it comes. Here we go. Brace yourself. Wind him up and let him go. Do you know an American that who has not a car? Kosinski, when he returned home, he hired a class car. So the smallest car you can hire in the States. Really? Imagine. And then he lived, he lived in a very, very small apartment, very tiny apartment. So no, this I can't tell. Okay. <laughs> he could he sounds like he could bring out a, a Netflix show on um, minim, minimalism. <laughs> Okay, that world's got remorse and needs to back away from the baby. conversation. Let's move forward. So the, the, the thing that when you're going through um, Focada's uh, rider list, the one thing that jumps off that list was that he ha- he doesn't seem to have uh, factory loyalty. So he's obviously moved from factory to factory to factory and he's with um, Petronas now. So how has he adapted, obviously coming off Honda, now with Yamaha, um, does that happen a lot or do we see the likes of, um, you know, the Yamaha elite stay with Yamaha? Well, well, he worked basically most of his life. He worked with team pods, right? Yeah. He, uh, that uh, Spanish uh, team, he worked in uh, all categories with this team. Then he moved down to HRC and then from HRC to Yamaha and then from Yamaha to this Petronas satellite yeah, yeah. And, uh, I asked him yesterday the difference between Yamaha and Honda, the work, how they work different. Yeah. And again, it was so amazing. He explained, look, it's very easy. Honda is probably 20 times bigger than Yamaha. He said in Honda's racing department, only they have 1,200 engineers working for them. 1,200. What? What? Plus Imagine their lunch conversations. Twelve hundred <laughs> engineers in HRC. You know, he said, oh "Look, oh my God!" And he explained something That's very interesting back. that I have always thought: Honda is basically an engineering company. They like racing because they like engineering. While mm. Yamaha, they are really racing guys. You understand that? Yeah, who, who need yeah who need yeah. to be engineers yeah to to support. They the are racing. all engineers, but yeah. one. The Honda engineers, they are there to show how good they are. While the Yamaha engineers, they they are race, they like racing like we like watching. For the love of racing, yeah. yeah. That's the huge difference. I remember an HRC interview a few years ago and they were saying that there's half a dozen engineers at HRC that just design the left foot peg. And there's <laughs> another set of engineers <laughs> who design the right foot peg. Like there isn't a foot peg team. And then they progress <laughs> to something <Yeah>. else. <laughs> Sorry, I'm picturing them at the back in a in a Ron Burgundy style battle. Yes. Like the, the left foot peg guys versus the, the right, right foot, foot peg, peg guys. guys. Of course. <laughs> so when you have twelve hundred people working, imagine you have to give them 
such absurd uh, tasks. Jobs. You know? Yeah. But they, yeah, they That's will focus kind of... upon making the best foot peg that has been known to man. Yes. But you joke, but it's probably true, right? Absolutely. I, th- I think it shows yeah. in, in the product that you get. So Look, Andra, uh, the whole Ducati factory producing the street bikes, everything, yeah. has 2,500 employees. 2,500. Uh, HRC has only engineering 1,200, plus all the mechanics. So the, the comparison is, uh, is absurd. Yeah. See, I come from a small, simple place, so I can't even comprehend that they are insane numbers isn't it i've heard hrc likened to the nasa of uh, the racing industry mm-hmm. like it's there was there's nothing else on the planet so then the more i hang out with manuel and the more that i sort of hear these stories that it sort of just goes to underline that they're on a completely different you know, different planet let me tell another quick story out of the script look talking about hrc you remember the famous NS, uh, N, NR, no? NR, Honda Yeah, the 750, yeah, oval, oval piston. Yes, exactly. So when I spoke with the engineer who, who invented that bike and explained me that at that time they, had to, they were looking for a very special material to make the bike specially light. So this material was only in the hands of the NASA. <laughs> so they had to... To ask, uh, NASA had to ask the American government if they allowed them to send a big piece of this uh, aleación, no? metal, uh, metal yeah. to Japan mm-hmm. for doing that bike. So they were ready to pay anything. <laughs> and, we're not going to put this into space. We're just going to make it accelerate <laughs> harder than it's ever. It's just perfection. <laughs> really fast. The same with the gasoline. They had a, a fuel. No, look, Total. You know the company Total. It's yeah, 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 a, the French. Yeah, yeah. Yes, French chemistry company, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had an additive to boost the gasoline that was used for the jet fighters. <laughs> so Honda went there. And ask for this additive. Again, the government had to give them the okay to give this additive to the to the Honda. And, the, and he, and he told and he told gone. me, look, my look at this. He told me it was so poison that the mechanic had to handle this with special mask. Oh my lord. Because if they breath breath, no breath mm, a little breathe bit, it in, yeah. Yeah, they would be got uh, killed immediately. Yes. See, John John Kaczynski's fanaticism is starting to make a lot more sense now. He's actually trying to get the residual fuel off the bike. (laughs) 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 He's not crazy. He just doesn't want to die yet. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. And this this shows the level of Honda. You know, you you don't realize until you start to know numbers or until you go to the museum Honda has in Motegi. Mm-hmm. That's the look for us. That's like going to Rome to see the Pope. It's the same. It's the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yep. And just doing a bit of an ad for uh, the Suzuka Eight Hour. They've named the dates for uh, the first of November. So uh, if you want to catch up with uh, the four of us, there we've all put a stake in the ground. <laughs> There's Manuel shaking his fists. <laughs> He's doing oh, yeah. a victory lap around his backyard. <laughs> yep. I'll do. A, I'll do a big wheelie. Yep. Yeah, Ladies so and gentlemen, if I'm not there, it's because I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to die, Suzuka. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We couldn't convince Andrew that there's actually a uh, entertainment park on the inside of the racetrack. Oh, I again, I can't even fathom it. I think you're telling me porcupines of stories. Mario Kart's, come just on. To, just to <laughs> get me in. <laughs> Look, I can't, there's, there's Mario Karts on the inside of the circuit. I can't wait. Seriously. I can't wait any longer. I want to go on to the next segment. I've been bursting all week for this one. Are we ready for uh, a Manuel's incident? Oh, we are always Here ready. Here we go. Always <laughs> ready. Do we have a do we have a do we have a theme tune yet? For no, this I'm or? actually going to leave this up to our um. Our, just our, just hear my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> His body language gets defensive too. He's starting yeah, straight to away. I'm in front of the body. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. 
Mm-hmm. There's no there escaping. Go. You need to have okay, a white first, Persian though. cat on your lap when you do this section, <laughs> Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Gill, I expect you, you to, to die. die. <laughs> Lawyers on speed dial. Who wants to go okay. first? Okay, let's go. I I'll, I'll the, go first. I, I am in the corner. I don't have very much information here, but this I all know myself, okay? And please let me finish till the end, even if you work it out quickly. So this rider has won seven championships, nine in total, came seventh <laughs> in 2019. He has a beautiful. He has a beautiful earring, and a beautiful twenty-year-old girlfriend. There's, there's been... I wonder who it could be. No, wait, wait, wait. There's been rumours that he may quit MotoGP and move to Moto Two in twenty twenty one. Yes. What are his what, what What are his cooking skills like? And he wanted to make mashed potatoes with me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, who, who could it be? Does anybody know? <laughs> valet, 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 valet. Hang on. You want me to one word? One, one word. word this, memory. This is going to be the hardest one yet, I think, Manuel. One word for Valentino. Uh, my idol. Oh wow. wow! Was not expecting I that. Like... Yeah. No. Yes, what? Yes. Let's I, dig into that. I have seen him arriving with sixty years, and he's still here. And I have seen all his career. I know him personally, and I know what he has done for the sport. And he mm-hmm. has been one who has me made me cry. I told you that I have cried three times watching races. Oh and really? One, one was Valentino. 2004, no? South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kailami. Yep. With a return uh, to the M1. Welcome. welcome. Yeah, welcome. Oh, yeah. welcome. Yeah. First race with the Yamaha. Still goosebumps. Yes. And uh, no, he's, look, uh, for me, Valentino, I told you, he's, uh, I think that for so many people around the world, for me, is, he is MotoGP racing. He represents MotoGP racing. And he has made, look, Probably the most important thing of Valentino is that he has attracted to MotoGP people who don't like bikes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like Andrew, for example. Yes. Very <laughs> 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 cool. Except yeah, actually, that's, that's, that's what happened with her. That's undeniable. Yeah. I'm only human. I'm only human. <laughs> Next one. Stu, go for it, my friend. Okay. So, my Manuel incident this week, and this is going to be a lot shorter than, than the listeners are used to. Oh, thank happy, God happy, for that. We, no, we normally cut them anyways, Juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, hang on a minute. I haven't been listening back to the recordings. What do you mean it's one word? Are you part of it, Stu? I've never heard you in any of them when I listen back. <laughs> so, this young Spanish motorcycle racer. Do you don't know, is it, Dan? 24 years of age. In his career so far, he has two world championships. He has worked his way through the ranks, racing three years in Moto3, culminating in a world title, racing five years in Moto2, culminating in a world title, and he has now been promoted to race for the Repsol Honda team alongside his brother, and this young man's name is... Oh, can I answer it? Go on, <laughs> come on, it's the apprentice. Here she comes from behind. I can't, I can't remember. Is it Alex? Well done. Yes. Oh, I was like, what's his first name? I did that all by myself. <laughs> Alex Marquez. Alex Marquez. One word. He's a cutie, by the way. I love the brother relationship. He is much better looking ah, than his brother. I got it. <gasps> oh, go. He's a victim. A victim? A victim. What does that mean? Oh, I was not expecting that. No, no. Wow. what do you mean? A victim of his brother. I was oh. going to say, is he a victim of his brother's fame? Is this in a good way or a bad way, though? Is this like, it's uh, a positive? I don't think so. That's positive. Oh. Okay. Or you okay. can say also that he is one who is kidnapped by his brother. So do you think he's constantly living in the shadow of his brother? Yes. Very much. Wow. Although both try to 
give another image, but if you have mm -hmm. a brother like Mark and you do the same than he yeah. does, how can you avoid this? And it sounds like exactly. it's a very close-knit family and Mark seems to drive a lot of what the family does. And he's always the, a lot of the light. He's always the brother of. Despite, mm -hmm. despite Mark selling that he has two world champion, which he has, but mm -hmm. he's always the brother of. Why did you bring him, bring him here? Uh, because he's the brother of Marcus. Yep. Oh, I want to and, cuddle and him I've, and I've make seen... him feel better. Can I? Yeah. Can I put okay. something yeah, to you, see. Manuel? So, with Alex coming into the into the t HRC team this year, will it put pressure upon Mark if Alex doesn't perform? Look, I, I, as you know, I don't see, I don't watch, but I have been told that in a certain moment, Mark says to his brother that he should dedicate to, uh, to MotoGP video game because he's very good at it. Okay. Right. Is there any chance that Alex will beat Mark? No. Ever? No, nah. but look, this this that'd be a funny twist, wouldn't it? This, this sentence, this sentence of Mark That's an saying, Italian tragedy. If, if, if you are sorry, this this uh, sentence of Mark saying, if you are so good at it, you should do this. You should dedicate. Yeah, you I, to I, I, I understand the yeah. intent. That's, this is like this is like but he's already dictating to it. Yeah, the, the, you know the the Mark coming out with a kick. Although it's mm. ah, it was funny, but the message was sent. I don't know. Yes. Probably was uh, even not wanting to send, but it comes from mm. Mark's personality. But that's I almost think, an yeah. ultimatum to your brother. Mm. And their whole life's been like yeah. that. So even if he wins a world oh, title, realistically, he's still in the shadow of his brother who has multiple world titles and is the most successful. Um, and has so a different personality. The, exactly. If, you know, the personality of Alex is the typical personality of uh, uh, of the second a second child. Child, yes, in, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, no, the typical. So is he is he quieter and Very more much. reserved, or shyer, quieter? Is there only the two of them, or are there more? No, just them two. Another one to come through in five years' time. No, is there a small whole dynamic? If there's only, <laughs> if there's only the two siblings as well, they're going to be so much closer and in each other's world. Where if there was like six siblings, yeah. it, it yeah. could dilute it. And then, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are close, aren't they? They are close. Uh, Mark always comes out to defend his brother, and in mm -hmm. my point of view, the only weak part, the only weak point of Mark Marquez, if you want to attack him, is attack his brother. It's the only thing that may destabilize his brother. The only thing. Wow. Let's hope the competition wow. is uh, not so listening. This will be a low blow. <laughs> That's what Valet is going to do this year. He's going to he's going to for 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 Alex and see what happens to Mark. So we're going to see Maverick on After one Maverick on one side. I can tell you. I can tell you one of yeah. of, of of Valentino that I will tell you when we switch on. Okay. <laughs> My favorite. No. Ladies and gentlemen, just to remind you, we'll be putting that behind a paywall. Five hundred dollars. A lot because exactly Manuel right. may not be able to keep doing what Wonderful. he's doing. That's going to be more than a cup of coffee. I can promise you. Wonderful. Thank you, thank you, Manuel, for those insights. That's that's wonderful. I mean, when I when I when I put that one together, obviously I, I made a point of of highlighting his career highlights because he has had a long career already himself and he's done the right thing. You see a lot of riders, they come through, they do one year in Moto3, one year in Moto2, and then get pushed up to MotoGP really quickly. But it seems that Alex has spent a lot of time in the lower classes to develop himself as an individual. But he like can't just be in MotoGP because it's there. his brother either. He's obviously there on merit or he wouldn't be racing. That's what I'm getting at, exactly. But, yeah. but, but look, at the same time, you said three years in Moto3, right? Until they got the championship. Mm -hmm. Five mm -hmm. years in Moto2. Would any yep. other rider not being in Marcus had the chance to stay five years in Moto2? Yeah. Do they have to move? i got to ask one of my questions. So with the different Moto3, Moto2, MotoGP, can they stay in Moto3 as long as they won? Or, or once yeah. they've won a couple of championships, they have to move up? Oh, in, in Moto3, the limit, I think, is the age. 
And I don't know if it's 24 or 26. Probably 24. Moto2, though, they can stay there as long as they like. Moto2, okay. they can stay uh, until they... Keep winning, uh, keep winning. But then I suppose you'd want to move up to yep. keep challenging yourself. But, yeah, I wasn't sure if it's something that they have to do. And if you're a 41-year-old Italian Moto2, then you want to go, back then you want to go to backwards. backwards. Yeah. Exactly, like next year. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've still got one more of these to go. How's your broccoli smoking going? (laughs) Thank you for doing Alex. I actually wouldn't have thought of of, of doing him. I'm glad you did. I learnt uh, learnt a few things during that. So, look, I've I've been wanting... officially now done Alex Marcus. We've done Alex. (laughs) We can put him on the wall. I've wanted to do this guy uh, since we started. This was actually the guy, the reason that I pitched this segment to Manuel was because I, I wanted to know more about this guy. So I'm not going to give away where he was born. Uh, He was born in 1969 because as soon as I say where he was born, it's going to give it away. Uh, He started racing. uh, Why are you both looking up to the right-hand side? (laughs) They're both going. (laughs) Oh, Stu knows who I'm going to ask. Sorry, Dave. So he started racing a Suzuki in 1981. Uh, he then won the Malaysian Superbike Championship in 91. So most of his racing career prior to coming over to 500s, as they were then, uh, was all Superbike. So he raced a Harris machine uh, before joining the Suzuki factory and then came over into essentially MotoGP in 250 class um, which, from memory, he actually didn't like racing because he felt that he was too large for it. Uh, in '94, he went back to superbikes and was running on a Works Honda with uh, Aaron Slight. He came reasonably well. Came in fifth uh, in that year. He's raced with Doug Pollan, Aaron Slight again. A lot of success at Assen and with uh, Kawasaki. In his jump over to the premier class in 1988, this is where it's going to give it away. Uh, Manuel, Manuel, do you know yet? No. He rode... uh, Me either. I have no idea. He rode the uh, WCM Yamaha and he actually won the British Grand Prix at Donington Park in 98. Yes. And a a, a little bit of a fact for the listeners out there, this was the last ever dry weather race that Dunlop won. So they've not had a, a, a Dunlop victory wow. uh, since this individual won, or in the dry, uh, won it at uh, Donington Park. He then went on to get a second and a third um, at Donington Park in Phillip Island. So he's only had the three uh, podiums out of, I think it was 30-something races, 32 races. And he also holds the um, prestigious um, title of also racing um, a Muzz at Donington Park in uh, mm-hmm. the, the premier class. I'm not going to tell you what he does now because this will completely give it away. <laughs> give it away, but, away. <laughs> who do you reckon this is, Manuel? Uh, it's Simon Crayford. Simon Crayford. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he's, wow. he's, he's the, he's the, he's... That's it's what easy. I was going to say, but you yep. beat me to it. You know, oh. and, and immediately I have the word. What's that? It's three words. The nicest flag. The nicest flag? Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where's he from? You got to help me out here. I think the Manuel's flag, confused. The flag he waved in Donington, yeah. all blacks. Oh, <laughs> or as we like to refer to them, the Little Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, he I I, I remember his uh, how do you say his winning lap or how I don't yeah. know how you call it. With that uh, all black flag was something that was unique. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's cool. And the other, the other option would be the Dunlop victory. Yeah, because he yes. won, he won that race because of the tires. Mm-hmm. And he's openly said he never came to, um, n- never came to understand the Michelins when he was forced to move, and he said that was part of his decision to to not race anymore. So. Yeah, but this flag was so nice, you know, with, ah, I can see it. I can see it like <laughs> if it had happened yesterday. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And and for the for the listeners out there, Dave, do you want to just fill in what he what he's doing now and to, for Andrew especially? Yeah, so when racing does get up and, and, and running again, Andrew, you're going to see a, a very suave, um, grey-headed guy who doesn't look dissimilar to myself. Manuel. Oh, not Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> you'll hear him a lot. You'll you might him. not see him a lot. You'll he's hear gonna, him a lot. He's almost—he's—he's going to have a, a very thick uh, Kiwi accent, 
um, and very uh, unique uh, voice, uh, and he's the roving pit lane reporter. Um, You'll hear him shouting a lot during the race. They'll throw to him. The commentators will throw to him during the race. Uh, He's normally on the pit wall, and so there's a lot of bikes going past and, and race noise. And he'll be there telling people about in in the uh, in the audience about what tires people are on, what crew chiefs are saying, and that that sort of thing. And he, he, the the knowledge that he has is absolutely amazing. He's a perfect person for the job. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. I have to say that as a person, he is so educated, so you know, it's incredible nice person. Actually, he lives in Andorra. Yes, I was going to say that. He lives, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, before doing this, he probably still has, he was running an off-road school. That's right. In Andorra, yes. yes. For yes. some reason, when I was listening to him, when he was saying that, I was saying, oh, what are you going to do in your downtime? And he goes, oh, I've got to go home and do jobs around the house. For some reason, I had in the back of my head that he was going back to New Zealand after every race. And I've had this to picture. To go and care for his sheep. Yeah, to care for his sheep. Yeah. And I've had this picture <laughs> in my head for like like three or four years now. And it wasn't until I was reading up on him and he goes, he was based out of Andorra. I went, he's not flying back to New Zealand, you idiot. <laughs> he's sitting in his car and driving out of hour. <laughs> he's just got to get a taxi home. That's it. You know that when they offered him the job of doing what he does, he was really insecure and shy so he had to go to a actor school he went to an actor school and you could tell the first couple of years the first couple of seasons he was it was a little bit dodgy um and he but he's really grown into the role like the the first few years um i heard a lot of people and i'll put my hand up i was one of them was calling him as they say in english uphill and down dale they were they were you know taking the mickey out of him because he was very shy and unsure of himself but he's progressed so far in his public speaking. Um, he's he's the he's the perfect foil for the commentators now. I think he basically went to school. I'll ask yeah. you this: who would you who would you prefer, either Simon Crayfire or Kevin McGee speaking at you? Oh, got to be Simon Crayfire. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, sorry, Kev. <laughs> yeah. if, Kev, if you're listening to this, I apologise. I respect what you've done in the past, but get off the TV. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Thank God he's not listening. <laughs> That's why he's only on Channel 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta speak my mind. Nah, I'm sorry. Th- thank you for that memo. I've been a huge fan of Simon Crayfarso through his career and then to see him back uh, in such a positive role and, as you said, to see him grow into that position. I said, I can only – I know that Simon wakes up every morning wanting to know if he's got my support and I can now officially, you know, give him that. <laughs> He can now rest easy of a night time. Yes, he can sleep a little bit longer. That's it. Yep. So, <laughs> that's it for another episode, I think, ladies and gentlemen. We've gone over. Anything else? Oh, Again. my goodness. Andrea, is there anyone you'd like to say hello to? I do. I have a couple here. I would like to give a shout-out to Kingy in Scotland. Yep. And Laura Laura Porro. Did I, did I pronounce her name correctly? Who knows? Oh, is this the blonde yeah. Laura? Yes, blonde Laura. Beautiful blonde Laura. Um, and to Gillian Forks, I know we gave a shout out to Andrew last week. Um, Gillian was messaging. She said that I needed to check out a Moto2 rider who we will call Jorge, can I touch your stomach muscles, Martin? So, <laughs> Jorge Martin. <laughs> oh, <that> him, Martin? <laughs> so, Gillian, please, please keep these recommendations coming because obviously it's very oh, important that I educate. Martin. I need to educate myself on all these riders, so I appreciate your assistance. Thank you. Oh, There's a brilliant. dedicated Pornhub channel now that Andrew's setting up. <laughs> yep, just based on <laughs> and, and another thing quickly, when I spoke to Nikki last night and she, she sent me the link and we'll put it out, um, she did an article, I'm not sure if it was last year, but she did some photographs. She took the photographs of writers' tattoos and then asked them stories about their tattoos. So I was also very interested in that. Okay, we'll put that in the uh, show notes. Uh, she mm-hmm. did that. I'm surprised because many writers are so, um, how do you say, for them to talk like about priv- privacy, private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 no, she uh, seems she very good at getting that, that other angle. And I think for you to get that information out of Nikki, you did very well as well. So I'd encourage uh, any of our listeners uh, to step over into what the Andrew and have a listen. There's even um, something about one of the writers and what colour underwear he wears on certain days. 
Oh. So there you go, Jillian. Jump in and have a listen to that one. <laughs> Look, we can't get Manuel organised to wear a red T-shirt on Red T-shirt recording day. So... <laughs> I am in red. I am in red. <laughs> Look, the other red. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening um, to my wonderful co-hosts. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll see you again in a couple of days. If you've, if you've liked what you've heard, leave us uh, a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. We're available on all the podcast platforms. We're on Instagram, Andrew uns- underscore the Pacino Report, uh, QuickDraw underscore 73. The Pacino Report at PacinoGP.com. Manuel, where can the universe get hold of you and get all the lowdown and dirty and the absolute good jam that is coming out of MotoGP at the moment? <laughs> I want to know too. Well, uh, you can find everything on PacinoGP.com and I am opening a brand new website probably at the end of this week or uh, beginning of uh, next week. So I tell I me more. invite everyone to get there. And obviously there will be a special corner for our podcasts. Is there a, is there a virtual uh, virtual reality room in there that I can, I can sit in there with my VR goggles on and I can, I can feel as though I'm in the pit box. I can have you sitting there next to me with your voice. Over what, so you can sit in Manuel's lounge room with him. <laughs> no, I have to tell you, and, and as nobody listened to us now, I will uh, hire a rabbit. How do you say? Uh, I will dress uh, like a rabbit to get into her and hide, <laughs> and hide behind the bush. <laughs> that we need to say. So all the media stories are going to talk about this giant bloody rabbit, rabbit that was hanging around the track. And for the listeners, we just had hands as ears and all sorts going on. With the long you lens. Him oh, and hunters, hunters hunt a strange rabbit in here. <laughs> yeah, you've, got, you've got body armor underneath. So when you open the local paper, it's going to be the top headline, Marquez wins GP. The next one down is going to be Deranged hunters rabbit. kill giant rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've loved putting this together. Um, We'll see you next week. Please take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. She wants to date you. What are you like to date who? Sorry. Hang on. <laughs> That's it. Although I have had I have had three children, so it might take a bit more than that. I don't know. <laughs> Aiden, please cut that out. Do not put that on the podcast.